Hey, welcome to New City Church. My name's Ron. And I'm Emily. And if this is your first time joining us, I wanna say a special welcome to you. Here at New City, we wanna be an easy place to connect, to help you find your people and to step into the work that God is doing. If you'd like to learn more about New City Church and take that step toward connection with us, you can do so at newcity.us connect. Another great way to learn more about New City is through Next Step. That happens the last Sunday of each month, which is next week, at both our Matthews and South Park locations. It's a great time to connect with some staff and pastors and learn about our vision and mission here at New City. Fill that connect form and we'll get you all the info you need for Next Step. Absolutely, and we would love for you to take a break from all the preparing, the shopping, the endless rolls of wrapping paper, all the things that you have going on, and join us as all of New City shares in an unforgettable Christmas experience with fun, games, music, lights, all the things. We will engage with you and your children in a worship experience for the whole family at Jingle Jam. Dylan and Lindsay, our student directors, will host the evening. This is a time to invite family, friends, neighbors to join you for an unforgettable time as we unite as New City and joyfully celebrate Christmas together. Wear your most festive and crazy Christmas attire. There will be prizes for the best dressed. Sign up and join us at newcity.us slash jingle jam. And one of our values here at New City is that servant leadership is our offering. That's right. It's one of the highest and best uses of our time and resources to serve those right around us. And this time of year in particular, I know many of you are looking for ways to serve our community. New City Church has partnered with a local nonprofit, Urban Promise, to put on Christmas Promise Shop. This is a really cool initiative allowing families to shop for new gifts at deeply discounted prices, but we need your help. We're collecting new and unwrapped gifts as well as gift cards through the next week, November 29th, at both locations. We're also taking donations that will go directly to this project. You can learn more and give at newcity.us slash promise shop. Yes, and November is a good time to pause and practice gratitude and thankfulness. One of the ways we do that is by taking a minute to reflect on what God has given us. As we consider the resources God has given to us to steward, we're often prompted toward generosity. If you're already partnering with us in giving here at New City and around the world, thank you. If you haven't, we hope you'll consider setting up online giving today at newcity.us give. And as always, if it's your first time with us today, don't feel like you need to give. This service is our gift to you. Now let's continue to worship together. You know, sometimes it can be difficult to distinguish between being buried by other people or planted by God. Sometimes what may feel like in your life or circumstance or relationship right now, like you're just being crushed and buried, could be God planting you right where he wants you to be. You, know, you can look at the story of Daniel as it's contained in the book that carries his name. And you could read just the first seven verses and you could think, man, this guy is just being buried 
by circumstances. His city is on fire. The temple where he worships his God is being crushed. He's being taken captive as a slave, never to return or to see his family again. I mean, imagine that as a 15-year-old, you never see your parents and your siblings again. You never sleep in your bed again. He's indoctrinated, or at least they try to indoctrinate him into the Babylonian way, this secularized view of the world that, that only sees itself and immediate pleasure as the ultimate goal in life. He's uh, threatened over and over and over again. There's a death sentence literally on his head multiple times throughout his story. I mean, you could look at the circumstances of Daniel and you could just be like, this guy's getting buried by everything in his life. And yet... Daniel's perspective is that he's being planted by God for a purpose and a reason. And here's the deal, guys. Everyone watch this. We've been planted by God. And so we got to pray like Daniel. And you say, what, what does prayer have to do with this? Well, prayer is what changes, I believe, in Daniel's story and our stories, Prayer is what changes our perspective on being buried by other people or the circumstances of your life right now. I wonder what that is for you or situation or a, a, a deal at work or a relationship right now that you just could feel like you're being buried. We're, you know, at the beginning of Thanksgiving week, you could think about being around certain people that have caused harm to you or hurt and you could just feel like, Oof, my chest is getting tight and I feel like I'm being buried by my circumstances. But I, I really believe this, guys, that it's Daniel's prayer life that changes his perspective all throughout his life as we journey with him. And it changes our perspective from being buried to being planted. To, to being planted by God and through all the, the dirt and the grime and the darkness of our life that God in Daniel's story and our story is planting a mighty oak that's gonna bear a lot of fruit, not only in his generation and our generation, but the generations to come. So in Daniel chapter nine, as we continue our, our journey with our friend Daniel, we've got two more messages left this week and next week. In Daniel chapter nine, Daniel begins to pray. And just to give a little bit of context, if you're just joining us at New City for the first time or you're watching New City Live online right now, we're glad to have you. And let me just give you a little bit of perspective on the book because Daniel is 12 chapters. And as we've talked about, it's, it's divided right down the middle between these hero stories that are first person historical narrative. It's Daniel's memoirs. He's, he's telling us his story about following God no matter what. And in the second half of the book, chapters seven through 12 are these prophetic apocalyptic visions that are very difficult to understand. They're, they're mysterious and yet God gives them to Daniel for a reason. And so we've been walking through those and unpacking them together. And we've looked at the first vision in chapter seven and last week we looked at a ram and a goat. Do you remember that? In chapter eight and that brings us today to chapter Nine, where it's not a vision that God gives to Daniel as he's sleeping in his bed like the first two visions. This time, the vision that God gives to Daniel, everyone check this out. It's while Daniel is praying. It's while Daniel is praying, which was the, in my words, like it was his secret superpower was that he was a man of prayer. And the Babylonians couldn't figure him out. The Medo-Persians couldn't figure him out. 
but it was actually his private prayer life, his connection, his communion with God, his conversation with God that changed his perspective from being buried to being planted and changed everything. So if you have your scriptures, I wanna encourage you to open them up or turn them on your phones to Daniel chapter nine. And while you're turning there, let me just give you a little bit of context uh, for the chapter because Daniel actually frames up the historical context and sets the date for us of 539 BC. That's the year that this happened. This prayer was prayed, this vision came because he says it was in the first year of the reign of Darius, verse one, the Mede, the son of Ashuerus, who became the king of the Babylonians. It was during his first year, the first year of his reign. And so we know that that was 539 BC. That's extra biblical historical fact. We also know that something else happened in that first year of the reign of Darius. Do you remember in chapter six? The lion's den. So chronologically, as you think about this, and if you're taking notes, this prayer that Daniel prays and this third vision that comes to him in chapter nine is in the same year that he was thrown into the lion's den by King Darius in chapter six. Again, there's been two visions that have occurred and those have both occurred during the Babylonian reign, during Belshazzar's reign. Now this one comes during the Medo-Persian reign, the first year of Darius. We, we know from chapter nine and all throughout Daniel's life, actually the, the, the earlier chapters as well, that Daniel was a man of prayer. Again, this was, this was his secret superpower that they, they couldn't figure him out, but, but God gave him favor in everything that he did. And it was through this connection, this, this communion with God that God changed Daniel's perspective in his heart. And, and maybe that's what needs to happen for you. It's through prayer that we're, we're shaped and we're molded more and more into the image of God. And as we are in our hearts, our perspective changes about what's happening in our lives. Again, we see it from, from previous chapters that Daniel was a man of prayer. We first read about him praying in Daniel chapter two. And if you remember some context on that, it's during Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this, this madman, and Daniel prays to interpret his dream. Do you remember that? And that was the beginning of God giving Daniel this incredible favor with the king that promotes him in the kingdom itself. And then after God gives him the, the vision, uh, Daniel prays again and thanks God. Uh, and, and then he asked Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego in the same chapter to, to pray with him. And then uh, fast forward to chapter six, again, another recorded prayer. It's actually the context of Daniel praying that gets him convicted by Darius because the other rulers knew that he was such a man of principle and prayer, consistent prayer, that they knew that he would be praying. And he actually gets convicted for that. And if you go back and listen to some of the messages, uh, we asked the question, if someone were trying to convict you for following God, would they find enough evidence <laughs> to, to build a case against you, so to speak? They knew, these guys knew that Daniel was a man of prayer, that he would pray three times a day. And what would he do? Do you remember in chapter six? He would open up his window where he was and he would face towards where? Jerusalem. Why would he do that? Why would he face west towards Jerusalem, 500 miles? Remember, Daniel would never go back to Jerusalem, but he would face there and he would pray towards Jerusalem because he was praying towards the restoration of God's people. And that prayer, don't miss this, it was a prayer of hope as he faced physically towards Jerusalem, it was a posture of hope and connection with God that in the midst of my life falling apart, in the midst of feeling like I'm being buried by my circumstances and other people, and maybe some of you walk in here today and you feel that way, 
I'm going to posture myself in hope of what God wants to do in my life and what's to come. You know, if you're a Christ follower in here today, if you follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, your best day is still to come. You say, Chris, how can you say that? Because the Bible tells me that. That our best day is still to come. And so we pray, even in the midst, no, especially in the midst of feeling like we're, we're buried by a broken and dark world. We pray with hope towards what is to come. And, and that's exactly what Daniel is doing. He begins to pray. And what is prayer, just by the way? What is prayer? You know, all throughout the scriptures, we read about this thing called prayer. What is prayer? We're going to do a, a series this coming summer about prayer and, and unpack this question further. But for today, prayer, it, just a simple definition, is a connection. It's a conversation. It's a, it's a communion with God. I, I heard a, a quote from Kerry Newhoff. He said, you know, prayer isn't a, a, a button to be pushed. It's a, it's a relationship to be pursued. I love that. Prayer is not a button to be pushed, like an easy button. When I need something, it's a relationship to be pursued. And in the context of that definition about a relationship, a communion, a, a connection, a conversation, we see Daniel pursuing that connection even in the midst of the most difficult days of his life. And he's transformed by that. His perspective changes. And so the next question is, if, if prayer is a connection or a fellowship or a communion, here's the next question that I have at least. Well, how do you pray? How do you pray? And again, you got to come back this summer, you know, to hear more about that, right? But, but, but here's what I want to say today, just really simply, because it brings us back to Daniel chapter 9. If you want to know how to pray, you really want to know how to pray? Listen to other people who know how to pray. If you want to know how to pray, listen to other godly people pray. Listen to how they address God. Listen to how they speak to God. Listen to their connection. Remember the disciples, they hear Jesus praying. Almost every morning he would go away to a desolate place and he would pray. They would hear those prayers and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he taught them the Lord's prayer. He, they, he spoke it to them. They listened to it. How do you pray? You listen to other people pray. Daniel was a man of prayer. And thank you, Daniel, that he records this prayer for us. And as we hear it, we learn how to pray. And I want to point out a few things from the prayer itself. But before I do that and I teach through it, I'd love to just read you the prayer and for you to, to listen to it. And so I'm going to ask you if you're able to stand to your feet. And I want to read Daniel's prayer from Daniel chapter 9. And if you have it, you can follow along with me. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, Daniel chapter 9. I'll begin in verse 2. If you, if you want to follow along, you can. If you want to, if you want to just close your eyes and listen, because you're listening to Daniel pray. This man that we've been following, his story you're listening to Daniel pray. If you want to know how to pray, listen to other people who know how to pray. Listen to their prayers. So, so hear this today as the word of God to you today. Daniel chapter 9, I'm going to begin in verse 2. During the first year of his reign, he's talking about Darius. He says, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. Verse 3. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. 
I also wore a rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. But we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and your regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets who spoke on your authority to our kings and our princes and ancestors and all the people of the land. Lord, you are in the right. But as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel, scattered near and far wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you. O Lord, we and our kings, princes, and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. Underline that in your Bible, verse 9. And even though we have rebelled against him, We have not obeyed the Lord our God, for we have not followed the instructions he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has disobeyed your instruction and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. So now the solemn curses and judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured down on us because of our sin. You have kept your word and done to us and our rulers exactly as you warned Never has there been such a disaster as happened in Jerusalem. Every curse written against us in the law of Moses has come true. Yet we have refused to seek seek mercy from the Lord our God by turning from our sins and recognizing his truth. Verse 14, therefore, the Lord has brought upon us disaster. He prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all these things, for we did not obey him. O Lord, our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of power. But we have sinned and are full of wickedness. In view of all of your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. Oh, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead. For your own sake, Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. Oh, my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea, not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. Verse 19, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay. O my God, for your people and your city, bear your name. The word of God to you today. You may be seated. What a prayer. What a prayer. You know, we've, we've been planted by God right where we are. And so we've got to learn to pray like Daniel. We've got to learn to have this perspective that he displays for us, that he records for us to read. And what did you hear in that prayer? 
What stuck out to you as you read along or you heard my words reciting Daniel's prayer here? One of the most powerful prayers in all of the Bible, Daniel chapter 9. What, what did you hear? What stuck out to you? I want to encourage you to, to go back. Here's your homework. Go back and read the prayer again this week, multiple times, and circle and underline the words that strike your heart. Circle and underline the things that, that God speaks to you as you read the prayer. And today, in the remainder of our time, allow me to just share a few notes of some things that stuck out to me that I think are useful for us as we think about this prayer and this perspective that Daniel had on his life. He could have thought, man, I'm just being buried by other people in circumstances. Woe is me. But don't miss this, guys. He's in his 80s here as he prays this prayer. He's lived most of the days of his life. There's so much wisdom for us to glean from this prayer. Here's a few things. The first thing, if you're, if you're not taking notes by now, I hope you'll take some notes for these next few things. Here's the first one. What can we learn from Daniel's prayers as we begin to say, God, teach, teach us to pray? How can we pray and change our perspective on our circumstances? The first one is his prayer is prompted by the scriptures. Go back and look at verse two with me. He says, I, Daniel, learned, underline this in your Bible or highlight it on your phone, I learned from reading the word of the Lord. You want to know how to pray? Begin by reading God's word. Daniel says, I learned by reading from the word of the Lord from Jeremiah the prophet. And what does he learn specifically? He's learned about the prophecy of the 70 years that, that the people of God were going to be in exile. He reminds himself from Jeremiah's letter, captured in Jeremiah chapter 25 and Jeremiah chapter 29, that this is what the Lord says. And he's prompted by the scriptures to this prayer. When we wanna know what God is saying to us, what do we do, guys? We go back to what God has said to us. When you want to know what God is saying to you in your circumstance, in feeling like you might be buried by other people and what you're facing right now, you go back to what God has said. When I want to know what God is doing, I go back to what God has done. Remember last week we said, I don't need to pray and go and ask God, should I love my neighbor? He's already told me to. So let's go back to what God has already said to us. When you want to know what God is saying, you go back to what God has said. And that's exactly what Daniel is doing. God, what are you saying? God, what are you doing? What's happening here? And he goes back to the word. And it's out of the word that Daniel was prompted to pray this prayer. So really practically, here's my, my, my counsel to you as, as pastor, would be to open up God's word and to begin to write out your prayers. And when you read the scriptures, that you would use the words of the scriptures to prompt your prayers and you would write them in the margins of your Bible. And you would go back and you would remember those prayers. You know, oftentimes we pray a prayer, right? And then God answers it and we don't even recognize it because we've already forgotten it after we prayed it. Daniel was prompted by the scriptures. His prayer is rooted in God's word and his truth and so should ours. And here's the second thing, okay? First one is his prayer is prompted by the scriptures. You wanna learn how to pray? You wanna change your perspective from being buried by others to being planted by God? Begin with the scriptures. We have a reading plan online. If you wanna start there, you can go and, and, and begin there. There's all kinds of tools out there. Just get yourself in the word of God, begin to read it and pray out of the scriptures. Be prompted by the scriptures. Here's the second one. This is so important. He, it confessed sin. Did you hear that? 
That's one of the things that stood out to me, that, that this is a confession of sin. Now, this is what blows my mind because here's Daniel, this faithful witness for God that's following God no matter what. And we see all these ways that he's standing up to wicked kings and, and, and overcoming temptation and God's using him in miraculous ways. And yet, what are the pronouns? Pay attention to the pronouns. Go back and read the prayer again and circle the pronouns. You'll, you're gonna read a bunch of per, uh, uh, plural pronouns, namely we. We have sinned. Look at verse five, look at verse six. We have refused to listen. Um, you, you were right, God. We, we, we have done wrong. Uh, we, we have rebelled against you. We've scorned your word. Look at verse 11. All Israel, what does all mean? All means all, that's all all means. All, all of us, including who? Me. Me, Daniel. Yes, Daniel. The one who's followed God no matter what. This, this, this guy who has incredible faith is saying, I've sinned against you, God. Now, no, no. here, guys, this is someone who has humbled himself to the point of realizing that it's, 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 it's me standing in the need of prayer, God. It's easy to say it's these people around me right now to your left and right. These people need prayer around me. Pray for them. It's a lot harder to just be like, it's me. I've rebelled against you. I've scorned your word. I've turned against you. Listen to that. He's saying it's all of us, it's all Israel. We have done this collectively. Can you imagine after 70 years of following God, all of these circumstances, feeling, had to fight feelings of, of, of just, I'm being buried by all of this stuff. And yet here at, towards the end of his life, he's saying, you know, it's, it's, it's all of us that, that turned our backs on you, God. If, 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 you, if you can't, own your sin and your brokenness. You can't own the grace and forgiveness and asking for it from God. If you're not willing to say, Lord, it's me in the need of prayer, I've sinned against you, then you're not able to receive the mercy and the grace of God that he wants to give. And then he continues, if you look at verse 20, he goes even further, it's we, 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 us, our, all. And then he says, what? My sin I've turned my back on you, God. This is Daniel saying this. It's this beautiful and vivid confession. It's, it's Daniel saying, I'm still a broken person in need of your grace and your mercy every single day, God. I never get over your grace and neither should we. You, you never move beyond being in the need of God's mercy and grace. And pay attention to this too because it's gonna come up several times in the prayer, that Daniel says, I'm, I'm not asking for you to answer these prayers based on our righteousness or our goodness. I'm asking you to do this because of your faithful mercies. Everyone watch this. It's not, hey, do you see what a good boy I've been? I've done, all, I've done all the right things. And so it's sort of this celestial quid pro quo. I've, I've done this. Now, now, you've got to do that, God. That's not at all what's happening here. Prayer is not a, is not a quid pro quo. I did, I did this for you. Now, you have to do this for me. It's all, God, in your character, in your mercy, in your grace, in your faithfulness, would you hear the, the, the pleas and the cries of your people? Because of your steadfast love, God, because of your mercy. 
if you're taking notes, maybe just write this. It's the, the power of our prayers is in the character of God. It's not in being a good little boy or a good little girl. It's in the goodness of God. It's his mercy. And what is mercy? Mercy is not getting what I deserve. Grace is getting what I don't deserve. God is merciful and gracious. He doesn't give us what we deserve, death and separation from him eternally. Grace, he does give us what we don't deserve, life and hope and, and renewal and relationship with him eternally. And then he goes further. It's even more vivid. He says, I was, the context of this prayer, it's the confession of sin, but he says, I was doing what? What does he say I, I, I was doing? Go back and look at verse, verse three. He says, I was, I was, I turned to the Lord. I was, I was praying. I was fasting. Now we'll, we can do a whole teaching on fasting, but, but, but just, just really quickly, fasting is giving something up in order to heighten your senses and your awareness on the presence and the work of God. So sometimes that might be food or it might be entertainment or it might be something else. It's something we give up in order to, to, to focus and to hone in our attention on God. So that's what Daniel is doing. He's posturing himself in this fasting position, giving up food most likely in order to be able to concentrate on the work of God and what the spirit is saying to him. And he says, not only that, there were some physical things I did. I put on burlap, which was a, an, an, an irritant, right? It, it, was, it was something that kind of scratched the skin and, and people would put on sackcloth and, and, and burlap around them to, 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 to show uh, repentance towards God. It was this physical reminder of that I've been an irritant to you, God. I've, I've, I've literally rubbed you the wrong way. And I'm reminding myself that. And then he goes even further. He says, I, I, I sprinkled what? Ash, I put ash and, and ash, ash was a sign of like ruins. It was like, you know, it was like I'm, I'm lying in ruins. And of course, Jerusalem was in ruins. It was this, this ash that, 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 that was symbolic of what had happened to the people and what had happened to, to Jerusalem. I mean, Daniel is, is, is like a personification of what's happened to the people. And here he is in his early 80s and he puts on this irritating um, cloth and he, he covers himself in ashes and, and he just displays a humility before God. It's, and it's beautiful for us to see because he's kept his heart tender before God. And for some of us, right, our circumstances have hardened us to a point where we're just so angry with God and we're so angry with other people and we've allowed the circumstances of our life to harden our hearts because we don't want to get hurt anymore. And what we see from Daniel here is a softening of his heart and that he's kept his heart tender before God, where he's able to identify with brokenness and sin. And, and if you're in that place today where you're like, man, I'm just, I'm angry with God. I'm frustrated with God. I'm frustrated with other people. Use this prayer as a first step to just say, God, would you just soften my heart? Because I'm frustrated. I'm, I may be even bitter right now. And would you, would you soften my heart to begin to identify with my brokenness and the brokenness of the people around me? Daniel didn't see himself as a person who was beyond God's mercy and his need for God's mercy and grace. And neither should we. Here's the third thing. What do we learn from Daniel's prayer? It's a plea for other people. Look at verses 15 through 19. Daniel begins to, to like pre, uh, plea for the rescuing of your people. And what does he hearken back to in verse 15? 
Egypt. Again, Daniel knows, of course, his, his Jewish history. And he goes all the way back to the first exile. There were two, the, the two most formative events in the Hebrew Testament for God's people were Egypt and exile in Babylon. And, and Daniel goes back to this first one, to Egypt, and he says, you know, you displayed your power in such an awesome way by rescuing your people. And look at verse 16. It was in view of your faithful what? Your mercies. Again, I'm relying on your character, God, not my conduct, right? Please turn away, you know, your furious anger and, and restore your people for your name's sake, right? And, and your city, for the city that bears your name. He's pl- praying this collective prayer, and it's important for us to understand at this point of, of a plea for others. Another word uh, you could use there is intercession. Like he's interceding for other people who maybe aren't praying. And he's saying, God, be merciful to them. You know, restore them. And even he's, he's ple- pleading and praying for the generations to come, right? And, and, and here's something that important to remember in context. Daniel never goes back to Jerusalem. So just learning this prayer, this is a, a prayer that actually is fulfilled, but he doesn't participate in the return. And so sometimes, like, again, going back to is prayer a button I push or is it a relationship I pursue? Sometimes it's like I'm pushing the button, but, like, I want to, I like, as long as it's answered for me, right? But Daniel's praying a prayer that it, he, he's not the, it doesn't, isn't the recipient of the direct answer, it's, an, it's a whole, he's too old to return and make the 500 mile journey back. But I, I just imagine Daniel in his old age watching the first exiles return and, and, and the fulfillment of so many of his prayers. That he prayed that God be true to your word 70 years, be, be true to restoring Jerusalem, the city that bears your name, be true to rebuilding the temple so that we can worship you, be, be true for the next generation, your promises and your goodness and your power. And what a great posture for us to pray not just for ourselves, but for the people around us and the generations to come. Daniel is convinced that God's character is going to orchestrate all of this, not his conduct. Here's the fourth thing, last thing. There's so much, but here's just four for today. Uh, what do we learn from his prayer? It's he, Daniel prayed with expectation. There's this, there's this anticipation in the, in, the, in the feel, in the verbiage, um, just the tone of the prayer. Go back and read it again this week. There's this, there's this expectation that Daniel has that God's going to work and he's going to move in a miraculous way. And, and again, uh, back to verse 20, he says, you know, he says he has the prayer. And then, and then w- w- what immediately comes after the formal prayer that we read together, verse 19, when he gets to verse 20, uh, maybe just underline those first couple of words. After I finished praying, I, I went on praying. I just continued to pray. Again, it's this... It, it isn't this moment, Daniel's prayer life is this continual posture of dependence on God, which is what prayer is after all. It's this constant communion and connection with God. It's this relationship that he's pursuing as God pursues him. And he says, I just, I went on praying, confessing, here's the, the uh, personal pronoun, my sin. And then he says, the sins of my people, 
It's beautiful. He says, I was, I was pleading with God, uh, the Lord my God, for Jerusalem and, and, and his ho- from his holy mountain. And, and, and as I was praying, Gabriel, Gabriel makes another appearance here, the angel, uh, comes swiftly to him at the evening sacrifice. And he begins to explain to him and give him understanding to this final vision. And then I want to read verse uh, 23 to you. He, Gabriel says to Daniel, in this whole idea of expectation, he says, the moment that you began praying... This is incredible. The moment you began praying, Gabriel says to Daniel, a command was given. The moment you began praying, something happened. And Gabriel says, and now I'm here to tell you what it was. For you are very precious to God, period, full stop. The first message before he begins to tell uh, Daniel the meaning of this third vision that's captured in verses 24 through 27, he says, I, I just, I, I got here as quick as I could. That's what Gabriel says. And when we get to next week in, in chapter 10, we're going to see that Gabriel was delayed on the fourth vision and the interpretation of that because he was battling against the prince of Persia, who was not a physical prince, but a spiritual prince. And we'll, we'll talk about Ephesians 6 and that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but powers and authorities and principalities of this world. And how Gabriel himself as an angel was delayed because he was battling with spiritual forces that were at work that are still at work, by the way, today. And Gabriel comes and says, I got here as quick as I could, Daniel. And here's the message from the throne room of God to you as you began to pray. Because the moment you prayed, this began to happen. This message went forth and I'm finally here to tell you. And here's the, here's the, here's the answer to your prayers. Here's what it begins with. You're loved. The answer to your prayer for, for mercy and for, for, for return of, from the exile and all the things that you've prayed, this beautiful prayer. But here's where the answer begins. You're precious. You're greatly valued by God. And the word that I want to share with each of you today is as you begin to posture your heart towards God, as you begin what prayer is, to connect with God through conversation, because we have access to the throne of grace, because of Jesus and his sacrifice, the moment that you begin to pray, God begins to answer. And here's the first answer to all of your prayers. You're loved. You're precious. The answer of all of our prayers begins with our identity of how God sees us. Can you imagine the bomb that this was for Daniel's heart and soul? This guy spent almost 70 years as a slave, being buried by all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of people that came at him. And here he is as an old man, still in this posture of prayer and dependence on God, praying with expectation. And and God begins to answer through the angel Gabriel, and he says, hey, Daniel, I love you. You are greatly valuable to me, and I've watched you your whole life. I made you, and I know you, and I love you. And that's the same answer to you and to me. What an amazing moment. The moment you began to pray, Daniel, God answered. And he answered, everyone watch this. He answered by by stating first and foremost who you are to him. You're precious 
and you're loved. And here's the deal, guys. Even if you don't feel precious and loved, even if your feelings are telling you that you're being buried and forgotten by God, the reality and the truth is that God loves you and God sees you as precious. And the proof is, as Paul said, that God demonstrated his love to us while we were still sinners. Christ came and died for you. God demonstrated this love and this value by sending Jesus, the most precious to you to demonstrate how precious you are. Daniel had prayed for three times, three times a day for all of his known life, right? We see that from, from, from the model in, in chapter six, this normal rhythm of prayer and probably prayed more than that, like throughout his day. And this had never happened. And the point I'm making here is that don't stop praying just because God has an answer a certain way. This had never happened before, but Daniel continues to pray with expectation and anticipation of how God is going to work based on his character. You are faithful. You are just. You are merciful. I'm going to continue to pray. Daniel doesn't give up on God, and neither should you. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep praying with expectation that God's going to work, even if you don't see it happening around you. No, especially if you don't see it happening around you. Continue to pray with an expectation that, God, you're going to do something beautiful. You're going to do something great. You're going to restore your people. I don't know how you're going to do it, and I don't feel it or see it right now, but I'm praying and trusting in the midst of all this that you're going to. We've been planted by God just like Daniel So we got to learn to pray like him. And then comes the vision. Verses 24 through 27. I'm not going to read it. I'm out of time already. It's blinking at me. All right. But here's here's the vision. Okay. It's a vision about the end times. And there's this interesting phrase in verse 24. Seventy uh, sevens. So uh, there's been, just to say, there's lots of interpretations on this. But there's three major interpretations. The first interpretation is that this was an actual time period that, and that Antiochus Epiphanes, who we talked about last week, fulfilled this in the second century when he desecrated the temple, killed God's people, that this is, this is what the prophecy was about, the vision was about, was Antiochus Epiphanes. There's another interpretation that this is about the Roman uh, commander and emperor Titus, who uh, you'll remember in 70 AD, he burned down the temple and he killed upwards of a million Jews in 70 AD. And some people think that this was actually uh, written towards uh, Titus. The third interpretation is that uh, this is about the Antichrist. And this is about times yet to come. My take on it, I think it's all three. I I think you'll see all three in this. That, that the time, 70 times seven, it w- was both literal and some, some events that happened and also it's figurative of things to, to come. And, and, and what, you, what we need to know about this at a, at a high level is that Israel's rescue, which this is what Daniel's praying for, is Israel, God's people to be returned and the temple to be rebuilt and restored, which we know happened. But, but what God is revealing to Daniel and to us here is that Israel's rescue from exile is a part of a larger story and it's humanity's rescue from exile. Then this is the thing, guys, and I'll, I'll finish here. Is, is Daniel is praying for God's people to be returned to Jerusalem, for the temple to be rebuilt. That's what he sees and that's his prayer. But what God reveals in this vision in just four short verses is that there's something more to come, Daniel, even beyond that. 
that it's not just going to be Israel, the, the people of God, by lineage, their rescue. It's actually going to be rescue of all of humanity. And, and how do we know that? Look at verse 26. Um, the vision itself contains um, someone who was called the anointed one who would come. So this is a prophecy about Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one who would come. And, and pay attention to the words. Go back and read it for yourself in verse 26. It says, um, the vision says, you know, it's going to appear that the anointed one has been defeated. Uh, but, but after all, he's going to be victorious. It, it appeared that Jesus had been buried. It appeared that Jesus had been defeated. But it was actually uh, Jesus being planted by God to bear fruit for new life for you and for me. Everybody else watched and said, this guy's buried and gone. But actually he was being planted by God. And the gospel is simply this. I'll finish here, I promise. That through the person and the work of this anointed one, verse 26, Jesus, who's prophesied here in this third vision, God would accomplish salvation fully for you and for me. That's what the gospel is. I'll say it another way. God did for you and God did for me what we could not do for ourselves. And it accomplished salvation, a return from exile, not from Egypt or Babylon, from this broken world, our, our captivity as being slaves to our own sin. And Jesus is now, this is, this is awesome, Jesus is now leading a new exodus into a new city that he's making for all of his people for all time. And it's not by our works or our ethnicity or lineage. It's by our simple trust in him, by grace, through faith. You see, Daniel and his prayer here in chapter nine is a picture of Jesus. A lot of people thought Daniel was being buried. A lot of people thought Jesus was literally buried, but actually they were being planted. They were being planted to bear fruit of new life and new life that will last forever. Here's the bottom line today. We've been planted by God, just like Daniel. We've been planted by God. So we need to learn how to pray like Daniel. To Christ be the glory. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, you are great and you are awesome. You always fulfill your covenant and you keep your promises of unfailing love. We're the ones that have sinned. We've done wrong. We have rebelled against you. We've scorned your commands and your regulations. Because of your faithful mercies, Lord, would you turn your anger away from us? Would you restore us and renew us? Would you rescue us and display your power in our lives? We'll give you the glory for it. In the name of Jesus, amen.